Hey, everybody. Good morning. I'm going to do some double checking. My thing's giving me some funky little flashing lights and stuff. So maybe comment in there if you're in and watching before we get this going, because this is live. Yeah, I see my the top of my head. Look at that. Oh, yeah. The posture curls are starting to come in. Ah. Oh. Hi. What's up? Hey, all you cool cats. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody probably heard that, but Sonny's trying to lean. Knows yeah, Sonny's trying to lean over. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, let's start up a Bible study with this reference. All right, that sounds <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's a great, it's a great day. Good morning, everybody. Oh, grab your coffee. It's going to be a fun day. Seriously, I woke up, woke up on kind of that silly side of the morning where it's like, I didn't get enough sleep, but... I got sleep, so I started twitching, and then Force Whitaker eyes started happening. Oh, this is a great day. It's going to be great. It's great. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Coffee. So <laughs> hit the coffee, and uh, we'll, we'll dig into this. We're going to do um, – the plan was actually to do uh, pretty much all of Chapter 2 in First Peter. I, I was wrong. I guess we can put it that way. I was wrong, incorrect. Uh, I, I don't want to say I lied when I told people we were going to do all of chapter two. <laughs> but uh, after digging through a lot of this stuff, realizing there's no way, there's no way. This would be an hour and a half of of uh, doing this. And, and it, it all works together. It all flows together. So I thought, this is a great idea. And then started looking at it saying, this was a horrible idea. So we cut it in half. So we're going to get up into where the transition happens and he starts getting into the a little bit more difficult talk. And then, um, on Saturday, make sure that you watch and are here for Saturday because that's when we're going to really hit that one. So morning, everybody seeing a couple people hop on, say hello in the chat room and here you go. Oh, for those of you wondering, this is a Guatemalan coffee. It's a little bit of a dark roast. I like it. It's good. Got a Sumatran. I'm almost out of this, so I'll get into a dark Sumatran later, but that's all good. All right, so let's get started. Uh, this time, we're going to be going through the NIV. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we are jumping back and forth and kind of bouncing through different translations for a reason. I want to show people that it is okay. It doesn't matter which uh, version of the Bible, what translation of the Bible you're reading out of. Jesus is Lord in all of them, and that the message is still the same in all of them. It's just spoken in a slightly different way. Uh, so we've gone from ESV, or excuse me, NKJV to ESV, and now we're into the NIV. Um, so yeah, let's get going. So this is chapter 2, verses 4 to 12 in the NIV. As you came to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For, for in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. <laughs> Microwave is going and everything. This is great. I love it. All right. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a nation, excuse me, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong. Excuse me. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Wow. This is a good section. Morning, guys. Hey. All right. So this is a really good section. And again, we, we cut it down basically in half from what I was planning on doing because it's just too much to, to dig through in one day. So we'll dig through the other half of this on Saturday. But this breaks down nicely. We see through verses four to eight, we have that we are like living stones of a spiritual house. Nine to 10, a people. We are a people belonging to God. And 11 to 12 is the major transition where we see the Christian witness. Okay. Let's dig into this. Four to eight. Now it's a little bit small, but hopefully you guys can see it. Otherwise, grab your Bibles, pull them open. Uh, this is, again, First Peter chapter 2. So, All right. So number four, number, verse four. Like I said, this is one of those mornings. It's going to be a fun ride today. Hope you're, hope you're wearing, uh, you know, some kind of water shorts or something. This is, we're going for a ride. So verse four, as you come to him. Now this is a continual statement. It's not as you came to him. This is as you come talking about a continual motion that we're still moving and we continue to constantly go to him, him being Jesus, right? The living stone rejected by humans because Jesus being persecuted and rejected, right? He was, uh, the Messiah, and yet they still rejected him, saying, no, we we don't recognize that, and they crucified him, and that's, I mean, it was fulfilling prophecy, but he still was rejected, which is what this is referring to, right? In verse 5, we have, you also like living stones. So first we see in verse 4 that Jesus was the living stone rejected by humans, okay, but chosen by God and precious. Now, we are the people, we are also living stones being built into a spiritual house, okay? And then one body. That spiritual house is much like the referencing to the single body, which comes from 1 Corinthians. We see 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 12 to 31 is the major, uh, the full portion of that. We're just going to read 12 to 13 here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, it goes on further if you want to read and study more into that as to the different portions of the body, what different things do, and that every part of the body is important. You know, if we're going to look at this as the, as the house references to what we have here, uh, not everyone's a door, not everyone's a window. Okay. Some of us are a wall. Some of us are ventilation ducts. Some of us are meant to supply for the rest of the body. It just depends. We all have different needs, but it doesn't make someone more important than someone else, right? Every part of the body is necessary and good, right? Um, then 
We go on from that into the holy priesthood, right? We're all being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now, this is important because in Jewish tradition, only certain uh, people from certain tribes could be this high-ranking priesthood. And now this has changed saying, no, 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 no. All believers, everyone who comes under Jesus is part of this holy priesthood because we are given the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to uh, give spiritual offerings, that we have the ability to talk, to commune to God, to pray to God directly and and offer our uh, repentance, right? And so this is what this is talking about is now we all have the ability to do this as being the holy priesthood, correct? Okay, verse 6 for in scripture, it says, now in scripture, he's referring back to Isaiah 28, uh, which actually says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Okay. Now he says, Peter here says, well, um, the one that trusts in him will never be put to shame. Okay. So we are not to be shameful of Christ. We're not to have shame or remorse from being a Christ follower, but we're also not to be stricken with panic. And boy, both of these are actually really important for today, especially with what we're living in right now as we're all in lockdown. Okay. We're not to be stricken with panic. Don't panic over this. God doesn't give you the spirit of panic and anxiety. God gives you the spirit of peace. Okay? Breathe that in. It's okay. It's going to be okay. God is going to turn this for his good, and it's going to be for his glory. So we need to continue on through this. And as we'll see on Saturday, we need to honor the government with what their orders are for us right now and to stay home to protect people so that we can better take care of the body and also the rest of humanity. It's part of our call, right? The church is meant to be the hospital, okay? So we are to take care of the rest of this humanity, correct? Okay. I know I can't hear you saying correct back. I'm just apparently having fun saying it today. This is good. Okay, and then verse 7, he moves into, um, now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who don't believe, and he pulls from Psalms 118, which is the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And that is a direct pull from Psalm 118.22. And then goes into verse 8, which is again back from Isaiah uh, 8.14, which says, he will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Okay, this is more of a direct uh, talking about how Jesus is going to be uh, denied by people, right? They're going to deny him, right? And it was talking directly about while he was physically on earth. But we can also look at that as what Peter's pulling out here, that people do. They they stumble on him. They stumble over him, not stumble onto him, but they stumble over him because they disobey the message, right? Now, it does say, this is a, an easy spot for people to want to stop and, and get hung up on uh, in saying that, wait, don't forget the very end of verse eight, where it says what they were destined for. And doesn't that mean that if people are destined for for bad, God's making people be in this bad category. Does that mean God makes people be in the good category? 
I'm not going to lie to you. There are certain theologies that, that believe that. I personally do not believe that though. Okay. And this, I believe goes back into the beginning of this uh, book or excuse me, this epistle where he does talk about with foreknowledge, right? That he, he has preordained this through foreknowledge. He already knew. And I want to point to a first, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter one, verses nine to 14, uh, with some of this information, because this does actually tie in. And a lot of study commentaries do talk about this uh, being a very similar piece into uh, Ephesians 1.11. And so I wanted to give us a little bit more of, of an encompassing view of what's going on here. So uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 9 to 14, he made known to us, he being God, made known to, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I want to point that out really fast. I've done some pretty heavy emphasis here. Okay. He made known to us the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ to bring unity to all things in heaven and here on earth under Christ. Okay, keep that into mind as to what, what he's talking about when we go through the rest of this. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hopes in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Listen to this. And you also were included in Christ when... You heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, remember last uh, on Saturday with what's going to happen right here, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, remember what we talked about on Saturday earlier with this, talking about the inheritance and how the inheritance, there's not just a then, like in heaven we get this inheritance, but there is also a now portion of the inheritance, which that comes through with the Holy Spirit, which is more than just a portion of the inheritance. As we see here in Ephesians, that is actually the seal. That is our guarantee that we have been accepted, that we are part of the kingdom of God, that we are his. We know that we are his by the fruit of the spirit. We know that the fruit of the spirit from the spirit, right? Okay, the Holy Spirit is the seal. It is the guarantee. It is your portion of your inheritance here on earth and now that you get the power of God through this today, right? You accept. Now, this is, I, I want to point out that a lot of this talks of, you know, the first group, right? And then it goes off into saying, when you heard, you accepted and you were brought in. When you believed, when, when, this all implies that you have some kind of an action to take inside of this, that you do actually have something to do with this, okay? And that's why we pull off the foreknowledge. God knew and then brings that in. And I want to bring in John 3.16 and John 3.17 uh, into this as well. When we talk about the mystery 
of his will, of God's will, according to his pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, right? Think of John 3, 16 and 17. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. That God didn't send his son to condemn the world, okay? When we're looking at here at verse 8 in 1 Peter chapter 2, which also they were destined for, he didn't send Jesus to condemn. He sent Jesus to save. Okay, so don't get caught up in this concept of if God is forcing people and said, you are here for saving, then therefore there's this other group that is quite frankly damned, and they're here for not saving, they're here for hell. Don't get caught up into that, okay? That is not what we need to be focusing on, but I wanted to point that out, even though we, we did take a few minutes on that, that don't, don't get stuck on that. There's so many things in here that that talk about God knowing things are going to be happening, and he allows certain things to happen. But we have action in this, and the Bible talks continually about we do have action in this, and there is part of this is, is for us to be doing, okay? So we're going to move on here into the next section of 9 to 10, a people belonging to God. Now, this is a contrast from 7 to 8. Let's go back really fast. Contrasting from 7 to 8. 7 to 8 are talking about to you, the stone, Jesus, is precious. But those who don't believe, this rejected stone is now the cornerstone, which is baffling. It's, it's confusing. Why? Why? That doesn't make sense to most people that don't believe. And then eight, it causes them to stumble and fall, and it causes issues for them because they can't grasp that, Right. Okay, so this is a direct contrast to seven and eight. Nine is declare praise, right? It comes from Isaiah 43, 21. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay, so 43, 21 of Isaiah says, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise, okay? So Peter is, is showing that this is all continual. This is coming, and this was prophesied. This was talked about way in advance, that you are guys are, are who you guys, meaning who he was writing to in, um, in wow, I lost the whole, the whole thought. Um, but in modern-day Turkey, um, he's writing to them saying that you are who was spoken about before, which also now is we or who was spoken about before, right? That we are to sing praise. We are to proclaim praise because God formed us. God brought us. Okay. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Okay. That we are to give praise. Okay, now 10 is even more contrast. So 9 and 10 are contrasting from 7 to 8, but 10 is contrasting within itself, right? 10 is you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, that now you're a chosen people, right? And it's contrasting from you had no mercy, you were under condemnation, in speaking of judgment, right? You were under condemnation, but now you've received mercy. You are God's chosen people. You get grace, you get mercy, you are forgiven. You, you have new hope, you have new life, right? 
And I want to point out here, the, you are the people of God. Now, this emphasis I'm adding, <clears throat> it's not in the scripture itself with that emphasis, but I'm adding it to bring out that point. Okay, you are the people of God. You were not a people, again, coming back into uh, chapter one, verse one, the, the exiles, okay? You weren't just a people because these were people spread out into multiple lands, right? Just like we currently are Christians all over the world. We don't, we aren't part of each individual nation. We are part of the kingdom of God before we are part of kingdoms here on earth. So here in America, I am a kingdom believer, right? I am a Christian before I am an American. Therefore, my Christian brothers in the Middle East and my Christian sisters in the Middle East are my brothers and sisters before we have the nations that we have issues with, right? Okay, does this make sense? I'm hoping. I can't see nods or anything. Hope you're nodding. Yeah, a little bit. All right. So we are the people of God. All believers and all nations are in God's kingdom. We're all together brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, right? Okay. Now we go into 11 and 12 to wrap this up. Okay, now this is where that transition really, really happens. He's been taking all of this why statement, okay? You're transitioning from who you are, you know, who you were to who you are, right? And that that is why it's important to be how to witness, and to be who to be and how to be. So how we act is important, okay? And that's why I was saying don't miss Saturday as it here as well. Don't miss Saturday. We're going to go into, um, this segues into the gospel and the social order, how we handle uh, being under a government, how we handle our work situations biblically, right? How we, how we deal with the government, how we deal with our work situations, and how we even honor our spouses dealing between husband and wife. Like, how does that happen? And so we're going to go all through that on Saturday. It's going to be a great thing. I hope you're able to really make that because it is a big thing. But this is that transition, taking it from talking about who you are, which is why. Why is it important? Let's go back. I want to show you why is it important. It's important because you are now a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possessions. If we pull from Ephesians you have been marked with a deposit. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are God's people. Therefore, it is important to be a certain way. And then he's going to go through that, right? So let's look at here, at Christian witness here real fast, 11 and 12. So 11 has a few points. One, earth is not our home, okay? We are part of God's kingdom, right? That's why he's talking again about as foreigners and exiles, again, pulls back to that one, one, uh, chapter one, verse one here of, of first Peter, earth is not our home. We're just passing through here and it's okay to realize, and we need to recognize that we are just passing through here. Okay. And to abstain, we are to abstain from sinful desires. Now, again, we want to point back to the history of this. These were uh, Gentiles that came from pagan backgrounds. And so this could be uh, in reference to generational type sin, like how they were worshiping, whatever deities they were worshiping. Um, it can also just be what we would consider regular sin too, though. And so I don't want to give too much into that. So I want you to be able to take this as for yourself as well, that we need to abstain from whatever our sinful desire is, right? We're all born and we all have a propensity for certain types of sin. We just do. 
It's a natural part of life. It's part of being born into a fallen world, right? And being part of a fallen world is that we have a propensity to certain sins. And this says to abstain. Now, the Greek word for abstain literally translates as hold away from oneself or from one's being, to push away, to hold it away from yourself, get it as far away from you as you can to prevent yourself from getting into that and to falling into that trap, right? Okay. Because this is a war against your soul. Okay. Now, Paul talks a bit about this, uh, especially in Romans. I just pulled out a couple of parts that I want to uh, point out here from Romans that that um, Paul says, okay, Romans, uh, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then 7.23 says, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Okay, it's a constant battle. And so we have to keep that pushed away because we have that propensity for sin, right? It's it's lovely. We want it, right? But it's not right. It's not within the design. So we have to push that away to keep that away from us because it's a battle between our soul. It's a battle between spirit and flesh. Our flesh wants it. Our spirit knows we shouldn't have this. And so we're trying to balance that out. And the best thing we can do is to distance ourselves from that. And that is going to help us wage that war is by keeping that distance between us and that desire. Okay. And then we have verse 12. Now this is, this is where that major transition really happens. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Okay. There's a couple things here. Okay, number one, live such good lives. This is ongoing. This is meaning that the people around you are going to continually watch and continually judge your actions, okay? As unfair as that seems, it's just reality. And it's something that we have to live with and deal with. We are constantly being watched. And we are the representatives of God and the representatives of Christ here on earth. And it's important how we live our lives because that's what people see and how they base their opinions and their decisions on. If all they see is when we're a jerk and pushing people out of the way at the grocery store, then they're just going to think Christians are jerks. But if they see us handing out food, checking on people, doing things that we can to help out, living a good life, their continual observations over time, right? I observe this good. I observe this good. I observe this good. And remember, it takes a hundred goods to wipe out a single bad. So every time we do good, they're constantly watching that and they're weighing and balancing that, that we have to continue that so that it adds up and it starts to make sense to them so that they get intrigued and so that they are more open to accepting when the spirit comes and inv invites on them, right? Okay, which brings in the next point, the day he visits. Now, co different commentaries bring out different points on this, but something that seems to be um, pretty well unison with this is that this could point to two different times, okay? He visiting can point to two different things. One, it can point to his judgment, okay? It can point to the judgment day. So when you're sitting at the judgment throne, and that's a really sad thought that people saw Christians live. And on the end, at the very end, they say, oh man, I, 
I saw it. They were right. Good, glory to you, God. I, I missed it. It's a very sad thought. The other possibility here is that it's referring to when the Spirit comes in sal- for salvation, when God approaches them and they accept in salvation, right? So when they are, when the Spirit comes and they're ready because they've seen these good things, they've recognized that there's something real about this, that our faith isn't just a mystical thing where a lot of religions, in fact, basically all religions are, they're just kind of a mystical thing. It's just, it's just about your mind and it doesn't matter. No, that this spirituality has something tangible, something real that we can actually hold on to. And that there's a real thing about this, that we're making a real impact, that we show this real love, that there's something extra, there's something special about this. So when the spirit comes and approaches them, they've seen that and they desire that because they realize that this is real. It's more than everything else. It's tangible. There's something really there. Okay. So what can we take away from this? Well, we can actually take away a few different things from this section. Uh, one, I want us to be able to look at this and take away that, that we are called to live for God, even through the difficult times, which right now is pretty much for everyone across the globe. It's a difficult time for everyone right now. And we are called to live for God, right? We are God's people. We're here for him. And that you are not alone, right? Remembering back in the beginning of this lesson, we were looking at the building of the spiritual house. We're all stones, right? We're living stones, part of the spiritual house. We're not alone. And I can tell you right now, being in, I don't want to say isolation, but kind of like isolation, even even with my family here, it's still easy to start feeling alone. So it's very easy to get that thought and have that seed of doubt go in there. Don't let it take root. Reach out, talk to people. If you're getting lonely, pick up your phone, call someone, send an email, uh, do a Zoom meeting, a, a face-to-face of some kind, like not physically in person necessarily, but uh, you know, do some kind of uh, uh, Facebook Messenger live, uh, you know, Facebook Messenger. What's the, what's the iPhone one that I'm thinking of? FaceTime, do a FaceTime, do something to where you can communicate with people and know that you're not alone. Get out and go to walk. Here in Idaho, we can still take a walk around our neighborhood. Walk around your neighborhood. Pray for the people in your neighborhood. Okay, I I, I like to always remind people, you are where you are for a reason. God didn't make a mistake putting you where you're at. Does it mean you're always going to be there? No. But for right now, there's a purpose and there is a reason for it. Use it. Don't just long for the next stage and to step out and to move on. Use and do what you're supposed to do where you're at right now. Get out and take a walk through your neighborhood. Breathe some fresh air, distance from other people, obviously, but breathe some fresh air and pray for your neighbors. And if somebody's out, say hello. Stay on the sidewalk. They can stay next to their house. That's fine. Say hello. Check on them. Make sure they're doing okay, right? Live that good life and check on people. You're not alone. And also remember, Jesus suffered persecution and temptations too. Now, we didn't talk a lot about his temptations in this lesson, uh, but we did talk about the fact that Jesus was persecuted, that he was rejected, right? It's really easy to feel very rejected and dejected in times like these. If you're watching right now on the live stream, it's a Thursday morning. There is a good chance you're not working today. If you're not working today, Okay, again, for people who watch this later, this is during the the quarantine time with uh, COVID-19. If you're not working right now, 
chances are you're not deemed essential, which can feel very bad. It can feel persecuted. It can feel like you're left out and you're not important. Well, you are important. You're not alone. And Jesus understands not necessarily COVID-19. I'm sure he does because he sees it, right? But Jesus understands the persecution and he understands being tempted to do the wrong things, right? God sent his son, right? This is the Trinity concept, right? God, Father, Spirit, Son. God came down in the form of the Son to live so that he would actually know, not just to die for the propensity of our sins, right? Not just to die to atone for us, but also so that we would know God actually really knows. Not only did he create everything, but he came down here to experience the temptation. He came down to here to experience the hunger, the thirst, so that he would know what we go through on a daily life, okay? Our God knows. So no, you're, you're called to live for God, even through these tough times. You're not alone. And, and God knows. He understands because he went through this too, okay? He came down as his son to live through this, right? This is not our home, is number four. This is not our home. We are part of God's kingdom. Where we live here is just a throughput. We're here to make it through, but that means we should make a difference while we're here. Okay. We need to make a difference while we're here. This isn't just a, a car ride where you can plug in your earbuds and sit back on the back, watching out, looking for Bigfoot as you're driving down the desert. No. Okay. Pay attention, make an impact, make it count. This isn't our home but we are representatives of God because we are part of his kingdom. We are adopted into his family. We are his children. So we need to make that impact as we go through this life here. Okay. And finally, there should be a stark contrast between who you were, who you are, and who you're becoming. And I'm, I'm saying this because of all these transitions that were happening, right? We're talking about your, your chosen people. You're a holy priesthood, right? You didn't have hope. Then you had hope but we can still do better, okay? There needs to be a stark contrast between not knowing, knowing, and still growing and being sanctified through the Spirit. And that also apply, implies um, and, and works if you were born into a Christian household and you were raised a Christian. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you were born into a Christian family and you're 80 years old today. There should still be a difference between yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You need to continue to grow. The Spirit continually sanctifies us, and there needs to be that buildup and a continual change. That's why it's important for us to get into the Word, to mature in our faith, to grow, but it also works out with action. Growing here doesn't do everything. We have to build it up. We have to go out, and we have to do, and we have to live out the Word. Okay, we are His body. The body grows weary if the body doesn't move and the body doesn't act. We have to work as well not for salvation, okay? We're not saved through the acts. We're not saved through the works, but we still have to work out, okay? We still need to go and we still need to do these things, All right? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you that, well, I want to thank you that at least here in the valley that that earthquake that hit yesterday, what, was it yesterday or the day before? Anyway, that earthquake that hit didn't cause much damage here in the valley, God. Um, I just thank you for that and for your protection. God, I ask that you you be with the people who are suffering around the globe right now, suffering with this COVID-19 situation, um, suffering with anything that's happening, this starvation, uh, people not being able to get food all over the globe, uh, people who can't get the medical care because the hospitals are overwhelmed. God, I ask that you be with our, our medical 
people. I ask that you be with our law enforcement and our, all of our safety people. God, that you you bless them and you give them energy and you give them strength and you, you give them provision that even though they think they're out of things, it just the supplies just keep being there. God, you just bless them in, in a very supernatural and a very holy way, a way that can't be denied that it came from you. God, that you continue to provide. I ask that you be with the leadership of our towns, of our counties, of our states, of our countries, the world leaders across the globe, God. I ask that you be with them and you give them wisdom and guidance and that you continue to provide. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, that was 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 12. Be sure to come in on Saturday morning, Saturday at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time. We're going to be going over the gospel and social order, which is uh, how to work with the government, how to handle our work situations, and husbands and spouses, like husbands and wives, right? How we handle each other. Okay, it's going to be a lot of great information and I hope to see you guys there. Have a great rest of the day. Be blessed and make sure you're reaching out to people.